0: Welcome to the latest episode of Over Underrated with Fran and Babs. It's our first episode with two guests. We've got Martin Zoltz-Ostwick and Sam Pei from the Song by Song podcast. If you don't know what the Song by Song podcast is, they go very deep into the discography of Tom Waits. And this week they're going very deep into the world of New York art rock with talking heads picked as overrated and they might be giants picked as underrated. So sit back, relax, and enjoy some clever people talking about music. Oh, hang on. Yeah, what are we calling this podcast?
1: <laughs> Was it over underrated?
2: Over underrated. Sous évalué. Überseht. Over Over underrated.
0: Welcome to the latest episode of Over Underrated with Fran and Babs. How are we today, Fran?
1: Um, I am dandy. I. Burnt myself whilst lighting a candle last night, but it has not affected the podcasts. So I'm looking forward to our chat. And I've been listening to a lot of 80s New Wave. How are you doing, Babs?
0: I am good. I have not burnt myself and I've not been listening to 80s New Wave, but I have been listening to the Soulworks album from Dewey which I think we've talked about before. We've definitely talked about Soul before, but From Dewey is an album that was recorded in one take, which I did not realise at the time, and it's seriously impressive because there's a lot of instruments going on, a lot of complicated drums. And I think I was just listening to it today being like, bloody hell, that is that is an impressive uh, impressive album, impressive feat of recording. Well done, everyone. Um, but we're not alone today, are we, Fran?
1: We're not alone. We have two guests, guys. Two, can you believe them? <laughs>
0: I don't think we can. <laughs> Two guests from the Song by Song podcast, Sam and Martin. How are you guys?
2: We're good. It's yeah. nice to be here.
3: There's quite a severe storm going on as we're recording, so I'm slightly yeah. worried about getting like lifted up and taken to, out of Kansas at some point <laughs> in the middle of the recording. I checked the window. <laughs> it's no storm.
1: Bournemouth seems to be fine at the moment. Good. Apparently, good.
3: it's Storm Dudley, which is uh, close to my heart because that's where my sister lives. Oh. Of course. <laughs>
0: <laughs> west, Midland, west midlands massive yeah. yeah yeah
3: west midlands represent yeah
1: we're
2: First, both I mean,
3: down south london so we're
2: experiencing the uh the hard front of it it'll work its way uh up or, well i don't know which direction it's, it's,
0: it's heading down. towards other
2: places i'm sure I'm anyway.
0: brussels is rainy and miserable but fine
1: okay yeah. This is the first weather facts we've ever had on the podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm, That's I'm all I prepared. prepared. <laughs> That's not
2: the tone. Oh.
0: That's one for the fact fans out there, as Fran usually says. But I'm taking your your uh, line. And in fact, the theme today is quite flimsy and could could be another theme. Uh, it's New York slash Art Rock, I would say, guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, with both bands picked by Sam and Martin. And, yeah, we're going to be talking someone who's potentially overrated and someone who's potentially underrated. And we're going to start with the overrated act. So how did you guys pick it? Who picked it? And why are we talking about them today?
3: Was this my fault?
2: I think this is mostly your (laughs) fault. (laughs) I mean,
3: I figure if you're going to pick an overrated band, you you should pick a band that people really like, right? Like, you can't just be like... You know, dump his rusty nuts like they're really There you get but too much some great press tunes. attention. Come on. Do they? I don't know the music, but that's the point. I don't know the music. Whereas the Talking Heads, like I feel in the scheme of things, saying that you think the Talking Heads is overrated is like a st- like maybe just one step down from saying you think the Beatles are that saying the Beatles are overrated.
0: Yeah, um, it's definitely a sacred cow that you've picked today.
3: Yeah, uh, and I guess I want to start off by saying like. I like the Talking Heads. I think they're a good band. I think they did lots of cool stuff and they've got some cool songs. In fact, we picked some quite cool songs to listen to, but they are overrated. To me, they're not one step down from the Beatles. They are on the same step as our other band that we'll talk about later. And that's that's why we've, we've chosen them to sort of contrast, I guess.
0: So Sam, how much are you blaming Martin today and how much do you agree with him?
3: Quite a
2: lot. I mean, my, my relationship has actually imploded over this particular topic. My girlfriend is getting ready to leave me over the various <laughs> decisions that I've had to make over the, the, the critiques that I've been constructing over why talking heads are overrated. She's she's made the, the argument in the past that if you you know put together a playlist of uh you know the most fun songs and the most catchy songs and the most danceable two songs you end up with a playlist made entirely of talking heads um, so so I've been testing out all of my arguments about you know why they are as you say they they are a heavily rated band um so testing out all the arguments about why that is an over rating um, have been going down like an absolute lead balloon in my household um. I I also like them. I also think they're really interesting, but I've 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 had to approach my uh, engagement with this topic with sort of an academic eye, sort of looking at some of the context around it and some of the ways that the songs make me feel beyond how much I hum along with them and how much I want to shake my booty to them.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, to avoid further domestic issues, Fran, <laughs> what do you think about Talking Heads? So. Yeah, uh,
1: growing up, they were a band, I knew maybe two or three pop songs and then like during the 90s when I got into like 80s music more and got into like Duran Duran and Depeche Mode I kind of thought I should probably get into talking Heads, and I remember like buying a best of and it didn't do much for me and then um, when I was working at Xavi and they were closing down. Shed (laughs) Hat Dazavi. Bingo tick. I bought the entire box set for £4. So I listened to every album, and after listening to all seven albums, I worked out I liked more Shed Seven then talking, <laughs> then talking Heads. Was it a box set oh of God. Shed 7 and
2: Talking Heads? I mean, came, that would be the best no thing No wonder heard. Zavi went under, I've got to this say. the
0: most grand thing I've ever heard in my bloody life. Xavi, box set, Shed 7, incredible. So,
1: yeah, I think I worked out like 16 Talking Heads songs out of the entire career, although I've not heard the B-sides, so if they've got amazing B-sides, that's not my fault, I don't know about it. But, um, yeah, and I've probably like maybe 18 Shed 7 songs, so, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Wow, that's—I mean—that's a very quantitative approach. <laughs>
0: Say, have you got it's a, a spreadsheet? <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that spreadsheet.
1: As a guy who makes a lot of um, best-of CDs during that era, that's how I can work it out. Of course, so the I, I had, Yeah, I, I had a set of seven best-of with eighteen songs that I liked. So I thought, well, in that case, sadly. They're better than talking
0: they are, heads. B- yeah. Wow. It's Amazing. It's tough Shock. to argue with.
1: Perhaps. Perhaps <laughs> I assume you agree with me. Uh
0: I mean, I haven't I haven't quantified how I felt about them, I must say. But yeah, I'm really happy that they were picked as a band. Because I think we we talked about picking them as a band quite early on when we were discussing things. Because for me, yeah, they're one of those bands where there's there are songs of theirs that are often on the radio and you've picked a few of those. And every time yeah. I've been like, how? <laughs> how how is this very arty band? so popular when yeah. they're so weird like you know david david byrne has been in pop culture forever and you know i'm gonna, holding my hands up i had all the intentions of watching stop making sense and american utopia and i didn't so i'm hoping you're gonna bring that knowledge um and i i own remain in light i think seven sim- not you know similarly i saw it for like three quid in a in a record shop and, and i quite like it but you know one of those bands where i've not really had the inclination to go further or like something has stopped me either because you know it's art rock and it's a bit complicated and you you have to be in the mood for it um and i I think i thought they had way more albums that they did i didn't realize their existence was so short i think because of how much they permeate pop culture how much their songs have been on the radio i feel like for as long as i've been listening to the radio so i'm i'm really excited to get into this because um yeah, I knew three of the songs from, from your playlist. I didn't know the other two. And I'm not quite sure what I'm going to think at the end of it. So,
2: I like how so much of this is to do with the price of the albums. So over <laughs> underpriced is, I think, an alternate that, title. That's the Patreon but, uh, one when we get it Short sure, of course. <laughs> bonus
0: content.
3: I just jumped to, to Apple Music, so uh, I got a free trial. So there's the, listening to those those Talking Heads albums that didn't enjoy very much was free for me. Great, so uh, bargain.
2: <laughs> Does that make them better or worse though? I don't I don't understand how we're working. Well, it's That's... infinite value. Right? Sure, okay. <laughs> <laughs> for nothing, I get a lot.
0: Unlimited streaming. Okay, so Martin, did you come up with the with the playlist, or did you work together on it?
3: Uh, we worked together on it, um, and actually, like, I wanted to include. So here's the thing I think about Talking Heads, right? And this is and this comes with a few caveats I think they've got some brilliant singles and some of their brilliant singles are on this playlist and I think the albums are largely pretty boring and saying a band has some good songs and lots of boring songs is a bit unfair because most song most bands have a lot of boring songs and don't even have any good songs so but it does mean that in this format we're kind of I'm kind of hearing some of their best music we did mm. deliberately pick mm. a song that we thought is quite well known and quite boring but Overall, like we've picked some some pretty decent stuff, and we kind of came to it together between like songs we knew and songs that people knew, and then and then the odd fan favorite Mm -hmm. from me.
0: Because yeah, I guess the thing with Talking Heads, why so many people talk about them being good and influential? Influential is the influences that they they have from from world world music in inverted commas. You know, Parliament Funkadelic and Fela and I guess. Right. Were there many bands doing that at that time? I look to you, Fran, because I'm sure you've watched a documentary about it and can inform <laughs> me. But
1: uh... I think they're one of the first. Um, I, I think um, Pill Public Image mm. Limited were using yeah, African that's a good beats, trip. but then I guess I guess Paul Simon kind of you know championed tramp- it afterwards.
0: So yeah, I, I think I can. That is an argument that I can definitely get on board with. Like mm-hmm. the the way they were making music was a bit different to a lot of other people. And yeah, there's th- I've got comments for one of the songs where I'm like, this feels like. influenced hip-hop really like uh yeah so so yeah I'm I'm looking forward to getting into it and um and seeing if anyone changes their mind
2: on it the thing about making a playlist of overrated songs though I feel is that you really have to if you're going to be honest about it I feel like you you or I wanted to go what are the most successful the most well-known sort of the best music because otherwise you're like like you say Martin it's easy to find dross in any band in, in, in any human being's output you know to to grab hold of the worst moments of a person's creative uh, endeavors doesn't really relate to their impact on culture and that's what we're talking about right their 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 rating slash financial cost for a box set
0: <laughs> i mean that's it. that's why we like to leave it up to the people because as we keep mentioning um our bon jovi episodes was 10 of the worst bon jovi songs and i tell you something guys like it it really it really made <laughs> me see the band in a whole new because i i didn't really like their popular songs anyway and they were all songs from the 21st century and i'm scarred for life so you know <laughs> you can't That you sounds can like that a name want. of a bon jovi song from scarred, scarred, for life. scarred for life
1: uh. <laughs> and you're to blame <laughs> yeah that's why we have we now have five songs because we couldn't handle having 10 terrible songs on a road yeah. wise. i just couldn't bring myself to like i think there's a lot apart
3: from what sam says it's not entirely fair like there's a lot of like uh talking head songs that put me to sleep and i was like i don't want to make you listen to that and then say intelligent things about them that doesn't seem very gracious we take it
0: again i don't think anything's going to scar us as much as that bon jovi episode so don't but you know if you come <laughs> on again don't don't worry we can take it overrated
1: So we dive into Let's the playlist. Do it. So, what's, mm.
0: what's your first pick? Uh,
2: the first one we've got is Psycho Killer, which I feel like is you know a uh, it, it, it's off their their first album, Seventy uh, Seven. I think it comes uh, relatively late in the album. They don't put this. Uh, in fact, I think it's the penultimate song yeah. on this first album. So they're not That's putting right, yeah. the uh, the big hits up. Um,
3: Psycho they may not Killer. have known what their big hits were. You know.
2: No, well, I th- I think so, and and there's there's lots of stuff talking about how Psycho Killer was was written significantly earlier, like around thirty, uh, around seventy three, seventy four, and was right. performed uh, before Talking Heads formed uh, under the the artistics the uh, the the former band that uh chris franz and um and david byrne had but when it came out in 77 it coincided with the son of sam killings in new york and so i think it got a lot of airplay and a lot of attention because it sounded like this new band talking here this talking about these horrific events you know mm. occurring in their own backyard
3: yeah that's interesting i hadn't thought about that that side of things i mean it's just got i think it's um like the thing that makes this track for me is like tina weymouth's ba- bass line yes. like obviously like he's i mean this and this i think this will come up all the way through in fact all of their songs but all the ones we'll talk about is like she is a great bass player yes. uh, um and and then the second thing his voice like he has this incredibly idiosyncratic way of performing he's not i would argue he's not like a you know scare quotes good singer but he has so much character and performance and like emotion and expression and what he's doing it's just uh when he starts yelping in the middle like you're just like what what's happening (laughs) this is frightening (laughs) is he gonna kill me um i love that about it
0: again i i quite like when people pick famous songs for for analysis because it's like i don't really i'd never really analyzed this and yeah i'd totally forgotten how good timo Weymouth was at base because when you think about this song you think exactly about the yelping and the fa 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 and that's it i also haven't really paid attention to the fact that what's quite menacing is that when he does the fa-fa-fa it is just him and the bass it's like all the instruments are suspended and it really kind of yeah
3: yeah uh, it's very tense and intimate isn't it like, and yeah, then there's that yeah. there's that mudl- wonderful middle eight where he starts singing in French which seemed to be like a real like like early like late 70s early 80s thing because like Blondie does that on one of her tracks doesn't she is it in um, Denis Denis yeah that, uh, that she does that so it like, must be a thing that they just were like yeah throwing throw in a bit of French French yeah, romantic cool
0: all good, all, all good. Um, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Tina Weymouth only learned the bass like a year before. Yeah, she was. So she got. She got good. Correct? She was <laughs>
2: recruited because they couldn't find a bass player that they wanted to work with, right. or possibly that wanted to with work with them.
0: Transportation or something, and then they were like, "Oh, <coughs> you know." I, I read that. Yeah, she. They like just listen to some Susie Quattro and and then you learn how to play. it. And yeah, clearly Susie Quattro, a great great teacher for Tina.
3: Really oh, strong. Well, she's. It's not a complicated bass line. I wouldn't say it's pretty straightforward, but she's just got such a fat groove. Like, it's such a good groove. Like, it's all about the groove. In fact, like, Talking Heads are arguably mostly all about the groove, but this, this track is special.
2: And the production does give her space as well to, like, do something that is, like, really roots this song and lots of other songs. Like, it's... There's, there's lots of stuff happening in various um, songs that we're going to talk about, but you can always hear that bass. That bass is always given the space to really drive home that... Like you say, the groove and the the danceability, the the sort of the the, the shoulder shake or the hip shake, um, which I think is the strongest part. What I disagree with you, Martin, and I think this is the like the beginning of my overrated argument, is that that the French section in the middle, and uh, the kind of the nihilism that is clearly like front and center in in this song and going th- onwards. I think. Kind of threads through a kind of like toxic intellectualism and superiority, which mm. I think really undermines. Like they're fun, upbeat, danceable songs, but they have an air of hopelessness and disdain in them. Exactly.
3: Interesting. And and it they're may- cold, right? There's not a lot of warmth to maybe some of the later ones, but for that early period, there's not much warmth. No. And
2: and and uh, burn said because he'd written it a couple of years before release when i started writing this he says he got help later and we'll talk about that help um he says i imagined alice cooper doing a randy newman type ballad both the joker and hannibal lecter were much more fascinating than the good guys Everyone sort of roots for the bad guys in the movie and i go oh you're the jared leto of uh 70s music and i sort of go ah oh, that's that's kind of an unpleasant starting point which i feel i mean yeah bernie is an odd character and i don't think that's a condemnation of him but i do feel that cynicism and and and, you know i mean i can't speak french so you know i have an inferiority complex about it but i think (laughs) that there's something slightly superior about it which i dislike
1: i wonder how they went with the Ramones crowd because they supported the Ram- Ramones. They the died time. a death, apparently. It did not go well. Their <laughs> okay. first
2: gig in 75 was opening for the Ramones and they were not appreciated.
1: <laughs> like paying an acoustic guitar singing about you know, Psycho Kid in France is not going to work with uh one, two, three, four audience. Really. Apparently
2: Joe Ramone particularly really disliked them. Yeah. But
0: uh... Yeah, I think on, on David Byrne, um, there is a quote which said that, you know, the reason why they haven't really reunited. So Byrne says that it was because of bad blood. Whereas Tina Weymouth said that David Bunn was a man incapable of returning friendship, <laughs> and it's like that's pretty harsh. Uh, so.
3: I mean, he seems like a bit of a dick. I was reading that when she did the Tom Tom Club album, the first Tom Tom Club album, which I think is great mm-hmm. and arguably as a complete piece of work better than any single Talking Heads album that I've heard, which is admittedly not all of them because I got bored. Um, <laughs> no he he was like, Push on he was really, he <laughs> was he was really snooty about it. He was like, oh, they're going in a pop dire- direction. Like, if you listen to the Tom Tom Club album, it's great. Like, it, it like it has the and it's fun and it's weird and it's all the things the talking heads are but it sounds like i mean there's i think the thing that sounds like one of the, like another way of thinking about the thing that sam's talking about is just like they do sometimes have a sense of humor but it never feels like they're laughing with the audience no like they might be laughing at the audience or you know beside the audience but but it's like you're not in it together and uh that's that's okay but it is a little alienating i think
1: the Tom Tom Cup was sampled by loads of Hop.
3: Yeah, uh, Maura Carey, um, uh, "Fantasy" by Maura Carey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's sampling um, "Genius of Love," which is an absolute banger of a track. Again, like Tina Wayman's groove, fat.
0: But yeah, Fran, Fran, do you agree with uh, kind of the the elitism uh, kind of thing? Because yeah, I I am kind of on the fence. I am like, you know, they are art school students and they wear it on their sleeves, but i i don't I don't particularly feel alienated. I think there's worse but, but maybe it's because you know as Martin keeps saying the groove and the, the pop the melody shines through so much that I'm like sing in French sing in Japanese I don't care <laughs> but yeah Fran do you agree
1: yeah it doesn't really bother me I mean I always found it an interesting track I've no idea what the far 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 came from but it, it works as a it's a
2: it's a um, notice Reading reference it's Is from it a? Uh, a song called called Fa 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 far fa, fa,
3: sad song
0: <laughs> right <laughs> okay. cool Still <laughs>
3: from the rest. i assumed it was a sort of like a st- i mean i thought it was quite good character work in the sense he's like he's saying far 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 better run away and it's like the character stuttering he's a socially awkward character and he was like working that into but i mean maybe that's too much of a stretch but uh, you know I, I broadly agree with some point with this song I, I think it's meant to be alienating and slightly menacing and disturbing so it, it does uh, the, for this track it actually works works for me but i think broadly speaking you're, you're right
1: but to move on to the next track I found that a little bit more interesting mm. so what's your next choice guys
3: oh this is pulled up so this is my choice so this mm. is um, weirdly I I don't think this is one of their more famous songs although it was I think a single um, and it's the track after after Psycho Killer on the album yeah. it's the last track on the album um, and um, I think it's great uh, it also very very clearly to me wears its influences on its sleeves sleeve in a way that some of the other tracks don't and that it sounds like a sort of like Afrobeat tune with a sort of like explicitly devotional or christian element which is quite weird it's quite a weird thing to do but it just has so much energy and it feels like a real song to me like some of their their, their tracks they they don't quite gel for me as, as songs whereas this one this one does it's a real banger well what did what did you think you think of it
1: i think it started to sound like television the opening <sighs> section mm.
3: right yeah that's a good
1: good note but but who I guess they would have been playing around the same time in New York. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's um, yeah, there's a lot of uh, of yelping from from Byrne. Um, but and that nervous guitar playing, I think, has been copied to death by naughty British indie bands. Yeah. That like yeah, that style was like you know, Franz and I've got Franz Ferdinand no, coming Mante- up. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. You can see where they they completely stole that from. But I completely forgot about this track, Babs. Do you
0: uh, remember no, this song? I'd never heard this song and. I was surprised that it sounded so 70s right like I guess <laughs> I I knew that that was you know Talking Heads were late 70s early 80s but because yeah there's pretty much only guitars here okay there's like a surf guitar going on I was like this I I, I actually wouldn't have guessed that it was Talking Heads you know apart from David going, nyang, 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 which is uh, very, very amusing.
3: That, that's his USP.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can definitely make a, yeah, Fran, you can make a spreadsheet of uh, David Burns noises on, on these tracks. <laughs> 17 of them. That would be
3: a great supercut, wouldn't it? Just, David going, hey, yeah, hey, 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 <laughs>
0: hey. Uh, but it was a little bit more melodic, so not so much for me. Um, and yeah, one, one of the two songs that, yeah, I didn't know on this playlist.
3: Well, I like the fact that there's some melody I mean it's I feel like it's an essential component of music that talking heads yeah. like to avoid <laughs>
0: yeah yeah but I think I think yeah it it, it wrong-footed me and I I think I prefer yelpy jarring talking heads to melodic talking heads personally. I think it's
3: got both yeah. uh, but I, I mean I'm not supposed to be defending them no it's terrible you're right it's a terrible <laughs> no, no, song no, <laughs> defend away
0: defend away but yeah Sam what do you think
3: it's, uh, it is it is bouncy. I think that that stuff, I'm mostly
2: more on Martin's side that I find the association a positive one in that direction. And the, the television comparison is relevant. I think that they share some stuff with television, with uh, Richard Hell uh, in general, where you put them next to the rest of punk and you go, oh, this is a notch more interesting. It's a notch smarter. It's a notch more engaged with the music than, you know, the the vast majority of punk is, and obviously they they had a big success as soon as they got reclassified from punk as new wave suddenly everyone could talk about them and they couldn't get written off with the uh, you know the the dirty smelly punks um the difficulty that i have with this again it's uh, it feels fairly negative um i think you know it, it's either about privilege parents being the, the the support they give being the only thing that Pull someone up to success or possibly cocaine as well like you know something that it you know gives you the high and the the energy and the 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 success that you can then move on and and achieve things when you're down in the dumps
3: i thought but, it was about jesus oh really yeah i mean he does that in other songs like i mean we'll talk about it, like once in a lifetime like he's he's deliberately using a preacher mode of of address I think he's. I mean, you know, we we talk a lot about Tom Waits, like taking Chris, Christian tropes and singing about like fire and brimstone. I think he's. I, I took it as as him listening to songs where people are like, "I found Jesus and things were really good," and like made that into a, his own version of that. I didn't oh, think.
0: Well, I didn't mean you, you sing it like that then? <laughs> I, think it's,
2: I think it's about that that sort of like privilege. He's. He. It's a self referential thing where you're going, "Oh, we are." Like you said, that we're we're art school. Geeks, we wear that on our sleeves, and we've sort of been pulled up and given the opportunities. Whenever we slip, you uh, you you pull me up, and I can you know oh, do all these things. Okay. And and again, tying it in with some of the biographical stuff, where his uh, accusations towards Weymouth and Franz being more more commercial and uh, coming from <laughs> you know privilege and be more concerned with the money. I go, ah, oh, is this right. again something towards the people around him rather than necessarily with the people around him, with the people he's singing. About. it it's it feels my my thesis guys is that he's a bit snooty i'm i'm <laughs> i'm gonna go with this thesis
0: because i actually did try to find more information about this song and i i couldn't find much on you know what the motivation was and it just says pretty simple narrative about a man going through the ups and downs of life with some help from an unknown source and i'm like yeah thanks genius <laughs> like, good, 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 good and good there on were
3: one set of footprints in the sand <laughs> <laughs>
0: But maybe the next one. And it was David Byrne. It's a bit easier to interpret. So, what's your what's your third pick?
2: The third one was one that I was really keen to get in. Um, Heaven uh, from mm. uh, a, a later album. We started off in '77, and now we're in '79 from Fear of Music. Um, Heaven takes a much lower energy. Uh, this sort of like almost purgatorial. Uh, sense and image of heaven. Well, you know, it, it, I mean, it, it's it's yeah. describing a whole load of positive things, but with that lack of drive, with that sort of like wandering and meandering, and and, and his voice lacks most of the yelps. It's 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 a slightly narcotic a tone that he Benus. has. Exactly. three stars, no yelps, no yelps. Uh, does Yelp still do still star ratings? I'm not sure.
3: But the um, maybe not of David Byrne
2: But this is this is also the place where uh, Brian Eno starts to have uh, an influence it's co-written with uh, Jerry Harrison uh, who was sort of like the the fourth member of the band but at this stage Eno is coming in as a producer and also starting to have more of a like creative input not just um uh, you know on the writing and the the structure of songs and it's a um, it's it's describing all the positives in the least positive way possible. I think it's a bit negative. I think it's a bit sneery. Have, 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 have I mentioned my opinion on Talking Heads?
3: Have I got it clear? Well, I think, I think that's an okay. I think going like, you know, you think it would be great to just do all the things you want for eternity. That would get boring. I think that's quite a good concept. And that like that, that, I mean, I don't want to spoil any recent TV, TV shows, but there yeah, is yeah, yeah. something which recently has explored that concept. Um, but just you know, you just if you read the he's lyrics, talking about like, Breaking yeah. Bad, I haven't watched Breaking <laughs> yeah, Bad. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's sure. all it's, it's all poetry. Um, he says, "Yeah, heaven. Heaven is a place, a place where nothing nothing ever happens," and he's managed to completely convey that in the music, where nothing ever happens and it's really boring. And I mean, in some ways, that's an achievement. You like to? Th- I'd like to think that he could have made a song that was fun to listen to that still conveyed that, but it's it's a dull song and this is this is the song where like we i think we both agree this is this is a bit boring and insipid mm. and and and
0: thank god <laughs> but it
3: is one of their most but it is one of their most famous songs yeah. it's one of their most liked songs and there's a few like that like um like life during wartime is another example where i'm just yeah, like yeah, people sure. think this is one of their best songs really
1: yeah, I've I've heard a lot of people cover this song as well. Really, a lot of bands love it. Yeah. Also,
3: it's a year after Sparks' number one song in Heaven, which is a fucking banger and much yeah. better. Ba- Sorry, am I allowed to swear? Yeah, absolutely, which is a banger, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is a banger, and like much better than this tune.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad that you you think it's one as well, But yeah, go ahead, friend. Yeah.
1: Have you heard the live version on Stop Making Sense? Because it is far superior than this. It's just um, Weymouth burn yeah on themselves with, 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 with two backing singers and it works I mean, it sounds like it's recorded in the garage it's got a weird sound to it and like, mm. i always kind of thought he sounds like he's like the american bowie at this point i can imagine bowie singers. this maybe that's the, the brian eno help but like yeah it's i always i, I never got this like i i don't get five years by david bowie mm. everyone goes on about that being a classic and everyone covers it and i find that dull and yeah mm. heaven is up there as like a I everything goes on about so yeah well you got love heaven but i mean nothing really happens past the first minute that's basically the, it's song. the lyrics
0: i honestly think it's the lyrics because they're again as much as you know classically fran or i don't really pay much attention i i did i was like this is very meaningful um and and the lyrics paint a picture that the it, well, the music doesn't. It doesn't because I'm bored to shit of the of the music. I really thought it was, and I wrote. I didn't realize Brian Eno had started here. I wrote, "This is like bad David Bowie." So yeah, again, tick yeah. tick tick. And uh, I did not like the piano combined with the guitars at all. But the the lyrics are beautiful, uh, as Martin sang before. It's it's. Really, they're really no, nice. I, think they're
3: ter- I think the lyrics are terrible.
0: Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, so, I think yeah. they're really boring.
3: I think it's just... <laughs> like there's. A, there, I, I was looking through some songs. This is a different song, but I read this... Uh, I, I found this Talking head song. Uh, I can't remember if it was on the same record, uh, called Cities, and it's and the lyrics are, Think of London, a small city. It's dark, dark in the daytime. People sleep, sleep in the daytime if they want to, if they want to. I'm checking them out. I'm checking them out. I've got it figured out. There's good points and bad points. Find a city, find myself a city to, to live in. And you're just like... I'm all for like songs which are like quick to write, but like come on, guys!
0: Uh, I know, but see, <laughs> like I, do
3: a second pass.
0: I I, I think, be, I think for me it paints a picture of of kind of in it. Okay, it's talking about heaven, but like I don't know, purgatory is it themes of atheism mm. as well, which in the US and in, in the 70s that would have been, you know, okay, yeah, when when was imagined by John Lennon, uh, you know that. still controversial sure yeah so and 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 doing it putting it in a bar as well putting it in putting something an idea of god in something so yeah sinful as a bar but when
3: joan osborne did that no one told her she was like the future of alternative (laughs) music when she did one of us (laughs) jesus
2: the thing that i think is is disappointing (laughs) is that i think it has a very narrow view of heaven of happiness of achievement that he's, he's he's grabbed onto the idea that if you're in a place where everything is good then that goodness will become boring and that's only relates to a very surface view of what provides joy and happiness and and uh, satisfaction to a person. If it's all the best song, then of course it will be unpleasant. But we don't just get satisfaction from listening to good things. We get satisfaction from listening to bad things or confusing things or things we have to interrogate Rarity. and then engaging with them. And that's what, you know, you, you would imagine what someone who's really thought about what heaven and happiness is would have their opinion of not like oh if you have an orgasm every 30 seconds they're no longer significant that's that's it, it, it feels trying to be smart without actually really being smart about what heaven happiness fulfillment is and again dismissive it's it's a great opportunity for him to go whether it's religion whether it's consumerism mm. whether it's other music whether it's even music that he presented and has had hits from in the past it's a way of him going you guys are all idiots <laughs> let me, let me like, wipe away that
3: stuff. I've got a certain amount of sympathy for like him being a young man who's like, I want to be like Darley, not David Bowie, and just being a bit pretentious. Like, I get that. I mean, I, I suppose the proof in the pudding is whether he's still doing that when he's 40, as opposed to when he's 20.
0: Have any of you seen American Utopia?
1: I saw it over lockdown, and I think that David Byrne is brilliant on stage. And if I ever have to see, ever have to hear any Talking Heads, I want to see it live in front stop of stop making phone.
2: sense. He's awesome as well. Like clearly,
3: it's- yeah, and that's a great concept as well. I mean, there's some like I don't think at any point I'm arguing that they don't have interesting ideas and they aren't risk. Like that's the thing with experimental music. Like sometimes it fails. Yeah, sure. I think in the case of Talking Heads, they fail a lot, and that's. Fine, but it, like, their failures shouldn't be lauded as successes. That's 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 what I'm saying.
0: But yeah, I think that's. I think Talking Heads for me is very visual music, and I'm not a particularly visual person because of, again, as mm. I mentioned before, his permeation in popular culture. And I haven't seen American Utopia, but I know how it looks because just from the few clips, like it's it's set up in a new. I mean, he's he's a great marketer. <laughs> I don't know what, yeah, how you sure. feel about that, but uh, but yeah.
1: And he also works with great people, and you know, like Jonathan Demi. Yeah. I mean, I think American Utopia is by yeah, Lee, isn't it so. Yeah, he knows who to work with. Um but speaking of religious ideas, we move on to the next one. Yeah, track.
3: Once in a Lifetime, which is another Stalking Heads track I really like. And talking of visual stuff, like the, the visuals are I think the video for this is wonderful. Like this This is the one where Kermit the, the Frog is dancing. You really like, uh, yeah, yeah. There is a one to the lifetime, my version there. Um no, he's got this I mean, you must have seen this video, right? Like uh, there's a lot of back projection, it's it's like very eighties, but um he's doing this very odd dance, very angular, very physical dance. It's, cho- it's choreographed, and he sort of seemed to have designed it himself with um, Tenny Bazil, um helping to, to do the choreography. And I think it looks amazing. And just that tension and awkwardness in the physical performance really matches... The, the themes of this song which i think is is i think it's one of the best songs about existentialism ever written which is just like you might just turn around one day and be like what is my life and i think it, it does a really good job of capturing that and the lyric like when he sings like time isn't holding us time isn't after us i just think that's such a beautiful that's a really heartfelt sentiment to me like this sort of paranoia of like the rat race of like what am i gonna do before i die what does it mean and just like that's a sort of answer to that question, uh, and one of the first sort of warm sentiments in the Talking Heads song. So I really like this track, Sam. What did you make of it?
2: That segment of the lyrics, I absolutely agree. It's iconic. Uh, that 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 sense of like sudden arrival and dislocation and realization are really potent. I, I, I feel less for the 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 water metaphor, which I feel is the which the, made me l- l- I thought we're thread. back
0: talking about water again, guys. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> as we did on your podcast. <laughs>
2: It's a good. I mean, it's it's very, very, very. You know, it's a significant. It's one of the four basic elements. It's it's understandable that we come back to it, um. But I I feel the free association in this, uh, both mm. in the music video and in some of the lyrical structures. And I I I want more structure. I appreciate the structure of that, you know. You may find yourself, and uh, mm. it, that that works for me. Um,
3: and that's from the pre. That's like what was inspired by kind of listening to radio preachers. Apparently, that almost like call and response structure, and I, mm. I do think that that as a as a rhythm, as a sort of verbal rhythm, is yes. really compelling.
2: But this is the song that a lot of deal is made of the the polyrhythms. You know, the, um, the 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 influence of the quote world music that you mentioned earlier on. And while I hear them, while I can pick them apart, I can see that they're there. I don't get much from it um maybe there's more elsewhere in the album that i haven't managed to find but it fe- it feels like density and overlap and uh, a-, a wash of rhythmic structures rather than something that like a bubbling of rhythms rather than something where i can pick them apart and go oh isn't yeah. interesting how they're colliding they're just doing it and alongside what feels like very improvisational both in the music video and in uh, some of the, the 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 lyrical stuff it it doesn't have enough structure for me to think it's genuinely engaging with stuff like speaking about the Kermit thing I feel like Kermit singing about uh, this is not my beautiful life a few years after the passing of Jim Henson takes on a slightly greater significance where I go oh this poor guy going like oh where am I this is not my beautiful creator this is not the voice that I had who am I what's my purpose in life
1: um, when I got my box set, this was the first album I checked out because of a song. I thought, okay, this is the most famous track by Talking Heads. Surely Remaining Light will sound like this track, and it doesn't no. at all. This stands out completely from all the other tracks. The other tracks are far more rhythmic. There's no like bubbling simps or like pop sensibilities. So um, I remember like MTV in the early nineties would have. MTV history, I think. And in the trailer to it, they have like little snippets of like big hits from the 80s. And it always showed like David Byrne doing his dance to like for five seconds. And I thought, that looks amazing. And, and it never appeared on the <laughs> show. And when, when it actually first appeared, I was like blown away. Like what on earth is this? This is, this is brilliant. And I then thought, oh, wow, Talking Heads are giving me my favourite band. And that's why I then bought the best of and found out they were not my favourite band. But I think to this day, like when this comes on, I instantly my hair's in the back of my neck stand-up. I think it, it's a, a tr- it's one of those songs that only Talking Heads could have created and no bands have ever got, gotten close to it. And I think i'm glad talking heads it, exist just because of this one song i think it's, it's yeah, brilliant that's fair. and um, yeah
0: I, I think it's amazing even though I, I it's it blows my mind how popular it is because i'm just like yeah disaffected it was the
3: 80s <laughs> those, like those x-ray specs in the charts <laughs> like, like
0: what, what's going everything going on. was weird this guy anxiously speaks singing over this like arpeggio siren about his this is not my beautiful wife uh it, it should mm. it shouldn't work it absolutely does and again like looking at this analytically in a way I've never done before, I really like the contrast of how anxious he is in the verse, but in the chorus, it's, it's a lot more detached and there's a lot more voices. And it's almost like they're, they're supporting him and, and, and the music sounds like the waves that are, that are supporting him. I, I, would never made that connection before. And this is where I made my, is this what influenced modern hip hop? Because the remove the water, where it goes, remove the, remove the, remove the water. I was like, I, was this the first popular song where this happened? Because, is 19 this is 1980 you know was it was it not let us know guys um but i it really it really surprised me how I, i hadn't made that connection also talking about this in 1980 when reagan has just come to power like i think this this would have been like a song reflecting the times if it was done in the mid to late 80s this is done before all of that happens and he's already having that that anxiety and seeing that, so yeah, it's 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 genius. But I don't genius. think
3: it's a political anxiety. I think it's like an existential anxiety. It's, like, yes. it's it's almost like a midlife. Although he's a young man, it's a midlife crisis anxiety. And uh, and actually, that's the thing that's. I mean, you know, that's the thing that's so compelling about his performance in this. But generally, like he uh, he, you know, he's he. It's like. He, he, That's what I I think what works so well with him as a vocalist is that you feel like he's telling you something really important. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, if you then realise that he's not or feel like he's not, that's incredibly frustrating. Like on this song, I think he is. And on other songs, I'm just like, what are you you talking about whether you want to live in London? There's a
0: quote from him. He says, maybe I'm fascinated with the middle class because it just seems so different from my life. So distant from what I do. I can't imagine living like that. So... That's pretty clear-cut.
3: Those squares.
0: <laughs> Boom. The, um,
2: the, the image of uh, uh, echoing the preacher gestures, though, I mean, pulling it back to our topic of expertise, I don't know, Martin, uh, is that, you know, Careful. Tom Waits has, <laughs> has done this kind of thing, and I feel like he... It, Again, I feel like Tom Waits, when he does Way Down in the Hole, particularly on Big Time, where he becomes that preacher, where he includes all of those gestures, where he includes that rhythmic cadence, he is doing it as well as commenting on it. And I feel like Byrne is limited because he can only mock it and ape it and dismiss it. He's not able to revel in it and reproduce it. He can only, like, he can only deconstruct it and damage it or he only seems interested in doing that and I feel that that's again I I really like this song and I think it's those elements are really interesting and engaging but I feel it's lessened because I see it done with more love with more heart with more uh, enthusiasm and genuine sentiment in other places
0: so you think that the fact that he's a bit maybe more of a detached observer doesn't yeah doesn't make you love the songs as much
2: just dismissing things is less hard than doing things and also commenting on them.
3: I'm not. I'm not exactly sure whether he. That's his intention. No, I would say okay. like I, it might. It might be that he re- just really likes the like. Um, you know, there's that great thing on in um, like early Pixies records where like Frank Black is like screaming, "Come on, pilgrim!" because he heard that on a like a on a uh, religious record. And I just think like with Tom Waits, like with David bin they just like maybe they just like the forms. They They're just form magpieing it. Yeah, but david Byrne's thing is like to be anti-rock right he's like anything that rock musicians do i'm not going to do so seeming sincere is one of those things yeah, sure okay, and so fair. he has this distance see has. i mean again like you can dislike that style of performance i think that's entirely legit but i don't think it necessarily means there's malign intent that he's that de- it's just the way that he's channeling you know he's um processing and performing these, these things that's fair but.
1: he also seems to have uh Taken the limelight, like this would have been early MTV, mm. and so this song became Talking head Is that guy David Byrne? Mm. Yeah, none of the rest of the band are in the video, and, from, from, and then from here he then brought out solo albums, mm. and he almost quit the band. So it does seem like his ego had taken over by this time, and it was named the David Byrne Show. Yeah. It's kind of I'm not a fa- I'm not a fan of music videos with a Saturday singer. To me, it has to be the band. Oh really? I didn't
0: know how many how many really episodes have we recorded? I didn't know this. Why? <laughs> well, because, it's, no, it's a great mentality. About, um, I think what about
3: th- no surprises? That's a great music video with just the lead singer. Unless Maybe there's reflections of the band in the helmet.
1: <laughs> Radiohead are different because I think Radiohead are kind of a shy act. I think with Talking Heads, mm. they all had... Look, reading about them during this research, I, I think there's egos in the band. Mm. I don't think there's as many egos in Radiohead. I, I think none of them really want to be in the music video in Radiohead. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe not.
2: Radiohead took their name from a Talking Heads band uh, song, didn't they? they true, did.
1: true. Yeah, yeah.
0: And, I mean, similar themes, uh, I guess, on the the last pick of the playlist. So what is it?
2: Yeah, we've got uh, uh, Road to Nowhere right the way from uh, Little Creatures in 1985, which is, you know, not not quite the end of their career, but definitely, you know, 88 is their last... album together which opens uh, you know rotanoa opens in a very different way with this sort of like chorus of unaccompanied voices and is again a bleak view of the world oh gosh what a surprise <laughs> i've really found a theme oh, no, no, that's not, um but this one is more um
3: oh it's david byrne's song again great.
2: Oh, great um this 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 one feels like it by this stage has dropped some of the mannerisms of byrne's performance and sounds more like a more like a straightforward, not not straightforward pop or rock song, but a straightforward song structure, which doesn't feel like it's pushing against the the, the framework of what a, a, a song can be. He he sounds more comfortable in singing range. Um, he he wrote he wanted to write a song that presented a, a resigned or even joyful look at doom, our deaths, and the apocalypse. Um,
3: and He's I think succeeded. he did. I think he did succeed. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And there's some yelps on it.
0: And so, so you ah, know, that's a four new one stars. For the spreadsheet Fran.
3: So yeah, uh. <laughs> I, I can. I tend to agree, and I think the reason I like this song, uh, this song, is because it's not like most Talking Heads songs. It sounds like a real song. Like uh, some, like Sam has actually been, I think, quite generous in saying the Talking Heads were pushing against established song structure. I think a lot of the time they just didn't use song structure, and so a lot of their songs aren't very satisfying because they're just like a vamp for like six minutes. And this this isn't. This is, this is a verse and a chorus and an intro and an outro. Um, so yeah, it's a great tune, but it's not really much like a talking head song apart from the Elping.
0: It's interesting that you say that because I think, Sam, you read out the first half of a quote that I saw The second half is that he, the the beginning, which is, you know, quite beautiful. David Byrne said, we tacked it on because I didn't think the rest of the song was enough. I mean, it was only two chords. So out of embarrassment or shame, I wrote an intro section that had a couple more in it. Now, is that faux modesty or, or not? But that's quite interesting given what you're saying.
3: Uh, it's not, well, the verse is two chords, but but it has, um, you know, other variations. I mean, I don't know, like, you know, I think there's a certain trend of musicians to be snippy about their past work, as if they're better than it. So, I don't know, like, I think the acapella intro and the outro are really, really good. I really like the way it centers the, the voice, yeah. um, the voices. Um, so... Yeah, like, up yours, David Byrne, I think it sounds good. <laughs> Is that... That's the summary of our criticism <laughs> I'm talking yes. Just a big Do middle one, finger, mate. like, cast in the vague <laughs> direction of New York City.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah, it's kind of strange how they kind of, like, went back a step... After experimenting with Brian this was like the most mainstream mm. period. And this is just a pure radio friendly pop song, really. Although it's got an accordion on it. More of that to come later on in our the podcast. Best, the best instrument <laughs> but- for New York Underground the work. <laughs> there we go! Sorry, spoilers. <laughs> but like, it's kind of a way. It always feels like it, it's a lot longer than it is. To me, it seems like it goes on for like six minutes. Or so. it, 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 it outstays the welcome, unfortunately, for me. Um, it's one of those songs that you enjoy singing along to the chorus for half a minute of any you turn over. It's it's perfectly adequate, but it's not it's not one of the best songs for me. It's just you know, it's a song that my mum will know of of Talking Heads. Deal with that that as is Part
2: of the point though about this and Heaven that you know the content is mirrored by the form, where it's a bit interminable. We're on a road to nowhere. <laughs> oh god, it's boring. This road, isn't it? This song is also boring.
3: I didn't find this song boring, and I think it's a, it would be a shame if you were like, well, if they do something that's more melodic or more accessible, that that's necessarily a step backwards. I think that's a bit of a that's a bit of a trap because yeah. it's like it's fine for them to experiment and then do some accessible stuff, and you know, like. That, i think that's totally okay
0: do you know what Fran? though i i think i almost had your opinion before i sat down to listen to this song because i i associate this song purely with the radio and that beginning it mm-hmm. goes on for quite a bit you think okay they finished it's gonna launch nope there's another little round of wait. no um but i i think this time we're listening to it when it goes into the song and when the the drums come along and they're driving and actually listening to him going we're on a road to nowhere and it kind of this uncertain like it's on a bumpy road again it made me see the song more visually made me appreciate yeah. it a bit more maybe because i don't listen to the radio so much anymore so i haven't been bombarded with it it's probably been quite a few years since i i listened to it and i i felt something with the song that i don't think i'd ever really felt before because I was I was listening to it in a different context, and I think yeah, we talk a lot, you know, sometimes about music videos and visuals making things better or worse. I really appreciated listening to this song, you know, in my house on my computer, not you know for the nth time on what is it Heart, heart or Capital? I, I, I don't live in the UK anymore. I have no idea what the references are. but Yeah, yeah. yeah. magic. So yeah, I, I I I kind of changed my mind on this song this time. So to conclude, what do people feel? Are Talking Heads overrated, Martin? It was your idea. How how do you feel at the end of this?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't. I I, I could totally get where Sam's coming from. I don't, I'm not completely persuaded, and I also feel like if someone's position is they hate people, that's an okay artistic <laughs> statement. You know, like yeah. that's 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 fine. If the music is fine. interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like I think. Um, are they overrated? Like, it's just like if you're saying something's overrated, does that mean like people shouldn't like them? Leno.
0: Basically, it means do they deserve the fame that they get?
3: I mean, I don't want David Byrne to starve, and I want him to be, carry it, be able to carry on doing work. But <laughs> a no, not I'm really. Sure. <laughs> no, not really. Like, I think the Ramones are a more fun band. Like, if we're talking about even people from the same same era, or like Blondie, um, and I think they 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 are um, pretty highly rated too. So I don't, I didn't. I didn't. Are they better? Are they a worse band than those bands? I don't know. Well, They're more we diverse, Ramones but
0: as overrated for another episode. So, uh, oh, yeah, right, okay. there we go. Well, I guess we'll find out.
3: then. <laughs> so the jury's out until we find out about the Ramones. Basically, that's uh, that's the way I'm. At.
0: <laughs> what about you, Sam?
2: I I stand by them being overrated. um... I think it's less about the things that they do and more the things that are missing from what they do. Um, I, I, Martin's absolutely right. Like, you know, myth and should be allowed to write music as well. I'll, I'll allow that. And I like lots of like downbeat and relentlessly, you know, pessimistic music as well. But I think that when that's, I think that it exposes a weakness that the, the groups that we say are like iconic and amazing and, and, truly that that should be placed on a pedestal need to have more of a sense of humanity and togetherness the the the, the clip that I saw from American Utopia was uh, Byrne saying that if we eliminate everything from the stage except the stuff we care about the most there would just be us and you and I feel like that sounds like an argument for togetherness and connection but I think it it comes across as quite brutalist and quite um, minimalist modernist and uh, I like all of the the fluff and the ephemera and the 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 more organic um, uh, unrefined undeployed and more more warm and loving elements so I think that for for a band to be underrated or accurately rated there needs to be love and uh, I don't think there's enough love in this.
0: Well, uh, you know, David Byrne doesn't want anyone's friendship, so that's going to be an issue, Sam. Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> Fran.
1: Well, I guess we had to separate Byrne's career to talking heads. But um, yes, I went into this thinking, yes, that overrated. But after watching Stop Making Sense this morning and giving them a, a refresh, I'm thinking, like, so they've influenced those bands, that's a bonus. They experimented, they're amazing live. Um, they haven't sold as many records as I thought. They've only sold 10 million re- record, 10 million albums, which is a lot. But like, when you're talking about bands next to them, you know, like for Duran Duran's and the yeah. U2s, that, that, they've never had like, a massive selling album. So I suppose, like, I assume they have sold like, a lot, a lot a lot more. So for that reason alone, and I have DJed and, and played once in a lifetime, and the reaction on the dance floor is when they hear that that simp sound it's <laughs> quite is yeah, quite, yeah. No, I've yeah. Yeah. quite so gu- you, you don't get that with many <laughs> bands so i will say that they're not overrated
0: mm. um i'm gonna oh, i'm gonna sit on the fence for this one because i i came in thinking like i don't know much of, of talking heads and i want to and the tracks that you picked that i knew i liked and the tracks that you picked that i didn't know i didn't like right so on the one hand, I'm like, okay, well, if, if these are meant to be other good ones or other famous ones, then then absolutely they're overrated. But I think, yeah, there's, there's too much more to explore. And I, I think I was really surprised at how visually I experienced the songs that i was listening to so i think i need to to go back and maybe watch yeah watch the music videos, reflect reflect a bit more like a lady of leisure uh <laughs> before before saying overrated but yeah i i think i came in thinking they're probably overrated but now it's dimmed so yeah
3: but i would reiterate that i do think this format favors them like i think if you pick you could pick five songs you could pick 10 songs you could pick even 16 talking head songs that are pretty good and or even great But I found it really difficult listening. I was like, I'm gonna listen to like full albums, so at least I have a little bit more of a back knowledge because I haven't listened to a load of Talking Heads albums. And I found it such a slog. Like I found it a really boring experience, apart from the old songs that would pop up and I'd be like, oh well, this this isn't the obvious single. And it probably was the single, you know. But um, I think if you delve deeper, you will be disappointed.
2: Hey, podcast lovers. Now available, a new podcast experience featuring exclusive mini-series like Food Faves, and all new series that takes a fun look at everyone's real first true love, food. Milky Way Marvels, a lighthearted astronomy series where we explore the fascinating wonders of our galaxy. Pop culture icons, an entertaining, nostalgic look back at various nouns in popular culture. Plus more, relax, enjoy. Listen, laugh, and maybe even learn. Podcast,
0: presented by Sonic Embassy. Now streaming everywhere you listen.
2: Access quick links to your favorite places to listen now at solo.to slash sonic embassy.
0: Underrated. Our underrated pick is a band that our two guests apparently have been dying to talk about for ages. So Sam, (laughs) Martin... Who are we talking about and why?
2: We are moving on to the criminally underrated <laughs> uh, New York band They Might Be Giants, uh, as composed by uh, John Flansberg and John Linnell, who've been releasing albums from sort of 1986 to uh, the present day uh, with with uh, you know all sorts of topics, all sorts of audiences, all sorts of... They're, they're podcasters as well. They're, they're renaissance men. We've not really talked very much about they might be giants in the past, um, but it has always been the joke that this would be the band that uh, song by song, when it's finished with Tom Waits, would move on to.
3: Except they've got uh, what did you say, nine hundred songs?
2: According to the website I found, yeah, there's nine hundred eighteen songs. So we're not doing to do a that. Daily,
3: we'd have to do a daily podcast, or just kill ourselves. Either way, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, but possibly both.
2: But they're an incredible band. I think that they're they're they they have so much inventiveness. They have so much of the. Um, textural variety that I think uh, we have both enjoyed in Tom Waits, but also in music in general uh, over the last, you know, sort of seven or eight years of talking about it. So it's a, yeah. it was a real excitement to get to talk about uh, the Johns.
3: Yeah, and for me, the thing is just like that... To me, they're part of the same tradition, right? Like, I think Talking Heads are regarded as these avant-garde geniuses, and if you ask people about they might be giants, they'll probably say, oh, they did like Burt Hairs and Your Soul and the Malcolm in the Middle theme and some kids albums, and they're a silly novelty band. And I disagree, they're both, part, they're both downtown art New York bands, it's just they might be giants saying like they're having fun <laughs> and that you're in on the joke, and so people are a little bit less likely to put them on a pedestal um but that to me they're part of the same they're part of the same scene they're just about seven or eight years later
2: even less actually you know talking heads um first album is 77 but they might be giant started performing in 81 so it's only a handful of years really yeah
3: it's a few years later yeah
0: well yeah and they're still going strong from what i saw so yeah fran i think you know more than me so what's what's your impression
1: being about nine years old and hearing the song on the radio and going mum what the hell is this it's, it's brilliant it's got a sound of, of traffic in the background <laughs> oh yeah uh, yeah yeah they do i brought i brought it on vinyl from yes. Woolworths, like everyone had to do back in 1990 i still have it somewhere and then i completely forgot about the band existed for a decade and then i met uh glenn yard at university and he played the best of in the car i thought hang on is that that band from 10 years ago and then I bought a best of and then I fell in love with they might be giants all over again but I was sad to see that most of the songs I knew were not on your playlist ah. uh, but <laughs> I would be curious to hear what
3: well, maybe after, at the end you could tell yeah. us what your playlist will be
1: and, and yeah I, I bought the, the documentary is it the... Uh, Gigantic
3: is that one yeah
0: yeah. I, because the, the joke is that Fran always watches a documentary if it's available and I was like have you seen Fran there's a documentary he's like got it on DVD mate you're gonna
1: watch it and I was like <laughs> <laughs> I, I buy down the sad the thing day. is I have it on DVD I watched on YouTube oh. because I'm that lazy and then yeah then I again then love again with them today because it's been 15 or 20 years since I last listened to they Might Be Giants because in the UK we don't get to hear them at all in, on the radio most people in UK like I said will know the two songs and that basically is it and yeah the fans seem to be obsessed I remember watching uh, a girl crying after meeting oh, the girls God, yeah, like, oh. that's incredible. It's like what <laughs> like it's not bros <laughs> but you know it's, it's not...
3: I think I would cry if I met the Johns <laughs> uh. I'd be overwhelmed Oh, my God. I mean, I'd probably cry if I met David Byrne as well. But
2: Is this a band that you know at all, Babs? Or is this all just whistling let, in the let, dark? Let
0: me tell you. So not only... I, I'm coming in here as the ignoramus really waiting to be educated because I, I knew Birdhouse in Your Soul and I got confused. And I thought that was also Boss of Me from The Mark in the Middle. And I was like, <laughs> oh, no. It's because obviously with Boss of Me, you only ever listen to a snippet. And it just kind of meshed in my mind. And I think because... We can get we'll we'll get onto Birdhouse in your soul, but Boss of Me because it's a bit like pop punky and it has a sort of hold steady synthy piano and some horns. I was like, it's not Mm. ready for me. But I I, yeah I was never you know I didn't. There are bands that we've had where I'm like, oh sweet Jesus, I'm not I'm not looking forward to this. This wasn't one of them because I guess it's kind of what a good start. (laughs) It's a great start. Um, it's wonky of rock for for me, and that's not a genre that I like or dislike but it, it, it's one that it, it takes i have to force myself a little bit more um and i think yeah the second that i saw that there were 23 studio albums i thought like wow okay how the hell are these guys gonna narrow this down to five songs so yeah how did you find that process what what was your reasoning you know obviously there's one of the songs on here that's one of their biggest songs how did you pick the
2: others? There were were certain things that I was really keen to hit. One of the things that They Might Be Giants have done since sort of the mid-2000s is... Uh, create a stream of music which is for kids. Mm. And I uh, feel like that also ties in with some of... uh, One of the things that also dismisses They Might Be Giants is the fact that they have a handful of songs which are very fact-based. Stories about people from real life, stories about uh, elements of science. Um, uh, And so I wanted to include uh, something from their kids' oeuvre, something from uh, their sort of fact-based things and birdhouse in your soul because it's brilliant um, and I feel like the other things were about negotiating back and forth and I think Martin and I mostly have a fairly similar taste in those things
3: we uh, yeah we ended up with a surprising surprisingly close list of tracks um, and I, I let Sam guide me a little bit more on the kids music because um, I'm I'm Baron and uh, Sam <laughs> isn't so he's uh, a
0: whole <laughs> child one whole child one, oh, not half of the accident yeah, and I mean, there's a little bit of cheating uh, with one of the songs, which we will get into, but, uh, oh, but yeah.
3: yeah. Wow, <laughs> is it cheating? Wow,
0: that's what... <laughs> <laughs> the amount of notes I had to take, and then I thought, is, is there any point in taking this many notes? But anyway, we, we can get into it. So yeah, what is what is the first song on the list?
3: Uh, well, this is my suggestion, I think, Sam. Um, mm. It's a track Rhythm Section Wanted Ad, which is from their first album. It's like the last track on their first album. Um, I think it's a fun song, but I also think it's... Uh, like a couple of couple, like a few of their songs it's kind of a commentary on the music industry and their place in it so there were these wonderful lyrics that some of which were apparently things that were said to them by you know uh managers trying to you know work with them or or, or um people they met uh, where you know it's like do you sing like olive oil on purpose you guys must be into the arrhythmics because they're this weird two piece with the guy's got a bit of a weird voice. You know, there's not we haven't had much um John Flansberg on this selection, but he has a no, very deep true. voice. And John John Linnell's got this quite nasal voice, a little bit like John Donnell from the Mountain Goats, I, I would I would say. Um but it's sort of yeah, like rhythm section wanted wanted ad is like a statement for what they are. They were a two-piece with a drum machine. And so people would look at them and be like, Well, you're not a real rock band, because you haven't got a bass player and a drummer. So I think immediately they're kind of like, even in 1986, they were aware that they had a bit of a, I don't know if outsider status is the quite way to put it, but people w- weren't quite taking them seriously because of the setup, and they were asking if they were into the Eurythmics because they were a two-piece. Um, so I think it's really, I think it's really funny the way they're commenting on like they can see how people are sort of dissing them, mm-hmm. uh, and they've turned it into a song. And I think that's really, that's really, really nice, and it's a real, it's a, it's a bit of a bop. A bop. I like it.
0: Sam.
2: I really like this song. This was not one that stood out for me. This is from their first album, like Martin said. And it's not one that stu- stood out for me, but I've listened to these early albums so many times that it's 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 lodged in my body and my brain, which which makes me slightly nervous. Like <laughs> Pitching for it to a certain extent, where I go, oh yeah, you just need to have listened to this endlessly since nineteen ninety two, and then you'll really like it. Yeah, guys. listen
3: to it fifteen hundred times, perhaps you really get
0: into well, it. Well, okay. So when when this came on, my initial thoughts were, holy fuck, that's a lot going on and a lot of instruments. Yeah, right. And it it wasn't at all what I expected. So I think this was a great first pick, um, and I really enjoyed yeah the drum machine and his the the whiny aggressive delivery. Uh, I yeah. It worked. I didn't sure. th- didn't think it would, but it, it took me quite a few listens to figure out whether I liked it. it was an assault on the senses, and I had to kind of yeah. take a step back. I don't really like the verses, but the second he says as if you're in some kind of rhythm section ad. It just, you yeah. know, it goes mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I love it. There's this, like, a psychobity accordion going on. Uh, <laughs> I mean, so I didn't save it sure. to my library, but I very much enjoyed it. So thank you, Sam. It's a good start.
2: <laughs> There's that, that weird element in the middle as well, like that, that middle section where, it, it, it feels like they just get bored and go, Oh, let's just play a bit of Powerhouse that's instead. That's a, yeah, yeah, Powerhouse, that right. seems to be a
0: theme, uh, at least on the songs that you've provided today.
1: Yeah, I described it as a pole curled out, but unexpected for most bands, but it feels right for <laughs> them. There's might be just so much
2: energy out. in this band and. Very much like my my critique of talking heads, which I do apologize your listeners will have gone through already, feels like it works for re- like i 've imagined it very clearly in contrast. It feels like there 's so many ideas and there 's so much energy and so much like enthusiasm for not just the idea in this song, but maybe how can we fit in two or three more ideas at the same time that I, f- I feel like there 's so much joy in this um and they are still talking about themselves there is that self-referentiality there's is still that um even on the first album this idea of go we're going to embrace critiques of ourselves we're going to embrace some of the things that people would dismiss us and go with it rather than projecting cool projecting an affectation it's just like like you say let's throw as much into this song as possible and see what people think and i delight in it
1: when i um say with, with the best of her, i had no idea From what period the songs I liked, and I loved. Don't let start. Yeah, that's a great tune as well. Yeah, and yeah, and then this, I think this follows on from that. Yeah, I, I I like this style of they might be giants and I mean you basically mentioned everything I was going to say Sorry. about that but like you know how you said that like they had no rhythm section it was interesting watching that documentary that when they were kind of forced to get an actual band there some fans were picked they boycotted sight. yeah As, yeah like like, like did and going electric like <laughs> giants, have a drummer like how could they yeah. <laughs> because I think I think like yeah at some point in the 80s um, um, they had a, a big stick for yeah, percussion for
2: like still little bottle with people yeah, clapped <laughs> The stick, the stick.
1: But like, I wonder if that, that, has that faded away now they've got a full band? It sounds like a band someone's made up, to be honest,
0: the more you talk about
1: them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, going on tour with that stick, that's, that's
3: hard.
2: I think that, I think that this is something we'll come back to, but I think that the, the term novelty band is something that can be easily used to dismiss. But I yeah. think they are a novelty band because I think they are interested in new ideas. There is the novel, there is the surprising. And I think that having a giant stick or having a drum machine or having suddenly going into, you know, me- mechanistic music that everyone recognises from Looney Tunes or Ren Stimpy cartoons, there is a sense of going surprise and engagement and novelty. And that's not just forget about them there's 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 value in that there's value in 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 extra ideas
1: agreed agreed um so so we go on to the big hit yeah.
2: there was sure. no way that this playlist could not include <laughs> my my favorite song in the world is uh, superstition um, ah, but ah, uh, uh, and I, i've talked for nearly a decade about tom waits with martin but they Might <laughs> giants is the band i most love and flood is their best album and birdhouse in your soul is the best song on flood so it's a pretty close tie with superstition is what i'm saying um this is uh, a song that is in in many ways very direct and very comprehensible it's a song as sung by a uh, a nightlight Um, to the presumably a kid who um, it keeps safe and who it gives uh, confidence to and the nightlight imagines the things that it does for um, its uh, how it relates to its friendship with the kid it it talks about its uh, longevity it talks about its relationship to its ancestors uh, uh, how it relates to what a lighthouse does and how it could never do a job that big but it is important to have a little blue canary in the outlet by the light switch and i think it is it, it is so many things at the same time it is a really catchy tune it's obviously got an awful lot of um uh, radio play i think it's a delightful straightforward piece of not kids storytelling but like all ages storytelling we've all had if not a, a literal nightlight we've all had that sense of anthropomorphizing The things Mm. in our childhood homes the things that we grew up with and and making mythic and gigantic and human the objects that we saw every day as kids and it's a delightful piece it's got a great music video it's a delightful piece of writing I think it's it's kind of a perfect song no pressure guys um (sighs) Martin how do you feel about it
3: (laughs) I'm gonna see that and raise you. Go for it. This is this is my favorite song. Awesome. This is my favorite song in the world. Uh, I listened to this on the radio. I taped it from the S- Philip Schofield Radio One show, and <laughs> I played that tape until it broke. And when it broke, I cried.
2: <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> it oh, dude. is
3: brilliant. I love it. Uh, I don't know, like I don't know whether it's even that I connect with the lyrics in the way that Sam's talking about. I just, I just, I think musically it's perfect. When that like snare drum hits and it drops, I'm just like. Yes, we're off to the fucking races. Like, let's do this. Um, Yeah, and and I mean, you can talk about it musically. It's quite complicated. There's a lot of chord changes. Like, the chorus, like, it doesn't repeat on, like, a four-bar thing. It's like a six-bar repeat. So it has this constant sense of forward momentum. You never feel like you've got to the end and, like, you're just waiting for the next thing to happen. There's a constant sense of movement. So it's really good writing. Um, And the bit at the end where there's the rounds, where you've got the chorus... And then the sort of like final line of the chorus overlapping, uh, which it hasn't done before, is so satisfying. It just feels so great. Um, it's just, it's a perfect it's a perfect song and my favourite song and therefore the best song in the world.
0: Fran, I rest my case.
3: <laughs> Double no pressure.
0: Ooh, no, never, never, never felt the pressure like this before. So let's go to the person <laughs> who. Twist who or knows stick, more. Fran.
1: Fran. <laughs> well, I mean, I've already declared that I I purchased it as a nine-year-old. Yeah, so, right. Sensible up. nine-year-old. Um, <laughs> Ian Lee is a big fan of this band, ah. and every time I see them live, he can sing this cappella, word for words. That's the most he loved, he liked us. But I remember like, as a nine-year-old, I never heard the phrase, not to put a too fine a point on it. Uh, that's that, and, and that very much is is the band you have to have phrases on it I never heard what but expected. then the,
3: the follow up to say not to put too fine a point on it say I'm the only bee in your bonnet
1: it's such a sweet lyric torturous like but totally lyric.
3: Co- co- coherent as well yeah
1: and apparently like when he first did a demo it was like a minute long and they're famous for having short songs and they thought that was enough and then like the, the producers are going uh, no like this is like a stone cold yeah, classic right. you have to you have, you've got to make this into a, into a full song which is why they then added like those I use traffic sound and, yeah, you know, yeah. the producers basically, and um, then, but the best, but the best bit to me is like, is, is like the three harmonies at the end. And when you try and sing along, I always have to, I always change who I who I follow. Yeah. Which John, which I sing on the way out. And I think it's a bit like, um, oh yeah, it's it's you know, the end of the world as you know yeah. it. I think a lot of people think they know the lyrics and then start trying to sing along and then. Well,
3: that, it's a really weird, it's a really weird emphasis. Like it's like, it's like, was it? Um, keep the nightlight on inside the birdhouse in your soul, yeah. which is not where the emphasis... And I had a massive argument with my wife, my now wife because we were singing the song in a wedding band and she was singing, put the nightlight on in the birdhouse in your soul. Like, that's not where the emphasis <laughs> falls in my favourite song. <laughs> And we, we almost broke up. Well, luckily, it wasn't our wedding, but we would have divorced over it.
1: <laughs> Did you know that um, the intro, on purpose, is mastered slower? Yeah, lower yeah really quiet. St- R- yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: Brilliant move, right? To include a lift, not only, like, musically, but also volume-wise, so yeah. that anyone who starts immediately gets about, you know, 15 seconds in, a little punch-the-air moment built into bam, the structure bam, of the song. Bam, bam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Babs, really you've, you've listened to all of this. Down. Come on.
0: Well, I... So what I will say is, so uh, I guess what I was worried about with uh, with uh, they won't be giants as other bands that we've discussed is they are twee and that is not generally my thing. We've discussed hold steady, we've discussed granddaddy. This isn't a million miles away. However, it works. It works. It absolutely works. And I I think part of it yeah is is the the scansion the lyrics as you say not to put a f- too fine a point on it like not just the tease, but it's the the fact that he's he's not forcing you he's like not to put you know he's not saying as martin said immediately go to be in your bonnet just the imagery is amazing and yeah i i didn't look at the lyrics too closely i didn't know it was about a nightlight i just thought okay this is a sweet song and even for hardened cynics like me who want to listen to loud (laughs) rocky music i'm like yeah bring on the birdhouse in my soul come on guys yeah so so yes happy happy to join the fan club even you know as let's say uh, what is it like a non-executive member perhaps not as a you know a, a full a fully paid <laughs> member.
1: we're gonna do a massive shift to a, another song
0: so this this is this is where you know we had some back and forth emails and considerations yeah. on whether this was cheating or not so definitely cheating. why Sorry. why why have you done this to us no why why have you picked this
2: <laughs> in in the uh, 1992 release apollo 18 uh, they might be giants included uh, a track which is now found uh, on most streaming services as fingertips combined fingertips is 21 short songs uh, which range from 4 seconds to about 60 seconds and the idea was that uh, these would be uh, would appear as tracks uh, 17 to 37 yeah on a cd and you could put your cd in the cd player hit shuffle and every now and again or almost i mean statistically between most songs you would get a little fragment of another song which was sort of designed to sound a little bit like an advert for another song you know like you get on a, <laughs> a compilation cd where you just get a, a shard in the the phrasing of the john the shard of the chorus to tempt you into listening to this song but these songs don't exist, and so the idea was that it would create this multifarious, varied experience of listening to Apollo 18. However, on the pressing in Japan and in Europe, they got it wrong, and so track 17 through 37 became one track, a four-and-a-half-minute track called Fingertips, and it didn't work, and what a disappointment, but... We have taken this opportunity to pick (laughs) 21 short songs as our third song. Very sorry. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah, I was thinking, how the hell are we going to do this? But yeah, yeah, how did you listen to to, and write notes about this?
3: I I just kind of took it in. (laughs) 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 I should say, another reason for picking this is that this does kind of, for me, cement their credentials because there's a 1980 album by a group called The Residents who are an incredibly culty, nerdy... uh, like art rock band enormous amount of credibility not much commercial success and on that 1980 album with the commercial album uh david byrne and brian eno and various other uh, andy partridge feature and it is a song it is an album composed entirely of one minute songs uh there's like something like 41 minute songs one of which is called fingertips so to me that's a pretty clear oh, sign okay. that they might be giants are in this this world of art rock and it and you know you might kind of be tempted to throw that aside as a bit of a gimmick and then you go back 10 years and a very weird arty band is doing exactly the same thing and that's why I picked it
2: (laughs) There's a lot of variety in this song as well, I think it also establishes not just their art rock credentials but also uh, you know writing a song and then going oh can we get two or three other ideas in they are prolific to the point where their own boredom is the uh the governing feature of what goes into a song and here they get to splurge that boredom and go well write, you know 21 little fragments of uh of choruses dig in guys fill your, your first
3: lines i mean like um yeah. Had something grabbed a hold of my hand. That sounds like the great of the, the beginning it's of the great. Tell me why,
2: yeah, really good. I'm um, sorry, guys, uh, we, we've, we've monopolized. What, what did you think?
1: <laughs> no, no, I think this was the last album of Electra, and I think that's another reason why they left because they just didn't get it. They had no idea what the, their world was, and I guess this was the but what is interesting. I was looking up the song meaning, and people obviously don't know it's a mistake and they're analysing the entire song as if it's meant to be that wow. way and one person saying this is about journey, journey through life. being born Seven Ages of Man death. yeah I read that <laughs> as well and, and then, then someone says each each fragment represents a different band and artists who they love or hate really? where are they getting these stories from? so I enjoy reading that I mean it's impossible to analyse this I mean, because it's about ten billion songs. Yeah. Um I enjoyed the f- the very first and the the very last. Everything track, is catching on fire, and
2: I walked alone down darkened, darkened corridors. Yes.
3: There's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like uh, I'm having a heart attack. That's. Uh, i having... I um. I mean, I think maybe a quick way to do this is just to be like roughly, like, what proportion of these would you like to hear as songs? Because for me, I'd say over half of them, I'd be like, yeah, I'd listen to this as a song.
0: Is it all them singing? Some no, sound no, there's, there's a like... there's vocalists, yeah, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, 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 there's a couple of female
3: people. vocalists and a couple of male
0: vocalists. I, I took notes for each song, so my, 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 wow. my notes are, it, it, I, I feel like, I don't know, Perhaps it's I'm like so music sorry. bingo, where I've got... You know, Turbo Dolly Parton, uh, yeah. uh, haunted, high pitched, annoyed Nick Cave, pop punk brattiness combined with sixties melodies slash punk sensibilities. Psych-
2: who, was, who was the Nick Cave? That, Sorry, my Nick <laughs> Cave the- was.
0: I, I found a new friend. Uh, was oh I yeah. was Nick Cave. Yeah.
2: Map, I thought that was Johnny Cash, sort of like American recordings <laughs> era. <Anyway. laughs>
0: uh, I'll, I'll finish soon, but um, aren't you the guy who hit me in the eye? I put psychedelic stranglers esque deep voiced horror yeah. monster mash rockabilly, ah. and then I, yeah, I, then I was like, am I losing my mind? you know or or not because the the way that I did it was because I was just like I feel like this deserves you know this so yeah this is incredibly original and I I wrote like you know has anyone ever done this before you've answered that question uh but I really enjoyed listening to these as individual songs and then listening to it all as as one song and Mm. you you get different things out of it um and yeah I think I want to listen to almost all of these I think the man with the deep voice scares me I think he's going to come and haunt my dreams (laughs) Uh, even in in I Hear the Wind Blow which sounds like him reading like a children's book but I'm I'm like if I listened to that when I was too young I think I honestly would have had nightmares my personal favourite was I Don't Understand You because uh, it's I just don't understand. You. Uh, there's an electric harpsichord. There's like different melody lines, melody and a harmony going on. No, I, I, I mean, I at the beginning I was like, oh my god, how, how the hell am I going to do this? By the end I was like, thank you guys, <laughs> actually, but this was great.
2: <laughs> I discovered the very exciting fact that the Edinburgh-based group they might be Gannets. Uh, A few years ago Created an album Where they expanded All of these fragments Into full songs That sounds cool And are they good? No they're not (laughs) But
3: <laughs> a I sort of
2: as a, as a as a producer might be of completist, gunners, not giants. <laughs> no 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 and as a producer of completist audio content uh, on mm. the internet I admire their work but I cannot endorse it.
3: Oh, I should say one more thing, which is they play this live.
2: Yeah, they do, and they're that's great amazing. Live amazing.
3: <laughs> like I saw them when they, when I saw them, they, I think they do it at the most gigs. Uh, they they played the whole thing live, and I was just like. That's really cool.
0: Yeah. That must <laughs> take so learning. much practice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: And can the audience
0: sing word by word and know the changes? I think well, the audience hard, is yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the, the, the one that I was most impressed by, just to finish off, The Day That Love Came to Play, because it is eight seconds and it is in two parts. There's like a piano ballad, then a salsa mini. You're just like, this is yeah. number 18. Uh, how, how do they do this? Yeah, again. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. This was great. <laughs> this was great. Very sorry.
2: Over underrated.
1: Sous-évalué.
2: Over underrated.
1: And the next, your next pick?
2: So this is the, um, the 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 one that I wanted to include for um, their kids' albums. They've produced uh, five or six kids' albums, uh, some of which have very specific topics. Here come the one 2 threes, here come the ABCs, here come science, and then a few which are just called, like, No and Why. Um, they love and- saying no,
0: don't they? Because in... Uh- <laughs> In in Rhythm Section 1 ad, someone going, no, no, no. no, no. And, no and then, no, yeah, I saw no. in 2002, they love it so much, they named an album after it. So
3: Consent's a very important issue with uh, they might be <laughs> <they're> trying
0: <laughs> to could
2: educate it. you be people. able to say it. It's very important for it's kids. Po- consent you know, is important. To understand. Okay, yeah. Very important. <laughs> so 4 and 2 is the second uh, track off their um, first kids' album, No! exclamation mark, And again... I like this because I think it's a really straightforward piece of storytelling. It's a story of a guy who um, uh, has a date with a girl and he goes to a clock uh, and the clock says four of two, four minutes before two, and he's meeting her at two and so he waits and the clock still says four of two and he gets tired and it gets dark, still says four of two, he lies down and then he opens his eyes and he is awoken in a nightmarish future world with uh, fly metal cars and gigantic bugs, but the clock still says four of two so he's still waiting for the girl. Um, and it's based, uh, Linnell uh, said really clearly in a, a live version, uh, this is a song about a f- clock that doesn't fucking work.
3: It's a real clock. It's a, Well, it was a clock in Manhattan. The sad thing being that they fixed it not long yeah. after the song was written. <laughs> or maybe that's a good thing. I mean, you know, clocks should work. But it's like
2: presents as a kid's song. But I think it typifies, one, the idea that you don't have to do dumb music for kids. Two, that good kid stories or good family stories in music, in film, in TV, in, in literature, can be something that has charm and satisfactory endings and surprise twist and novelty there we go um but they can also be very resonant the same as a little night light you know we've we 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 can imagine this situation and possibly we wouldn't sleep until the end of time but I think I think it it delights me and charms me and uh like a lot of their kids songs uh, I can engage with it as an adult as well as going oh yeah I can imagine that this would be a fun (laughs) semi-educational element for
1: a kid to listen to I can certainly imagine me singing this in music class. Like, yeah. it, um And again, we've got the accordion. I mean, when I first heard it, I wasn't even aware right. it was from a children's yeah. album. I just thought this was another, very might be dying. So it shows that, you know, they're not changing their, their ideals to create this children's music. They're not dumbing down at all. I mean, yeah, it's better than the <laughs> <laughs> So How dare you. Um,
0: so... I think I, I love the lyrics they come through loud and clear and you know it, it tells it tells the whole story but I, I put twee 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 too much for me <laughs> I'm afraid <laughs> the, the pretty much the only bit of the song that I liked was the distorted Sonic Youth guitar an accordion when he says once i awoke to a futuristic world there were flying cars and gigantic mm. metal bugs i'm like that sounds much better than this fucking clock uh really so i i would rather go into that world i'm sorry sam uh it, sorry. yeah i i feel similar similar to what i you know what i did in, in hold steady of like yeah you know i the lyrics are good but musically it's not so much for me
1: do their fan base separate these from the other albums i would say so yeah
2: I think so, yeah. You, f- yeah. you find them on Spotify uh, under two categories. They Might Be Giants, which weirdly does include no and why. But then there's also Here Come the One Two Threes, Here Come the ABCs, Here Come Science under mm. They Might Be Giants brackets for kids. Uh, and I think they tend to gig where they do a daytime or afternoon show for kids in the day in the same venue that they're going to do their grown-up, you know, double bubble. That's why cool. not?
1: So, to the final track.
0: Which also yeah. is about history. Kind mm-hmm. of, yeah.
3: It's, it's, it's The track's called The Mesopotamians. So it's about a band who were also this ancient race of people, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is kind of, yeah, it's like fact-based. I don't feel like I learn about the Mesopotamians apart from maybe their names and some of the neighbouring cities that they dislike mm-hmm. from <laughs> the song. But to me, it's it, like... I, there's you know there's this cliche isn't it that like every band's like second album is all about like being on tour and missing their girlfriends and like you know there might be giants whatever it is like 25th album has this song which is it's kind of about like how it can be a drag being in the band and like trudging around town when no one gives a toss but they've put it through the they might be giants like Mes- you know mesopotamian historical lens um and it sounds like apart from that part it kind of sounds to me like a song the monkeys could have done.
1: I really like it. It's like it's a it's a. It's I actually a put that. I said this sounds like they're about to sing. Hey hey, we're the monkeys. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I had never heard it before, and I had to check what year. It's two thousand and seven. So it turns out, you know, when a band has two, has such a big catalogue, you kind of want them to be bad after <laughs> a while to make to make it's it easier. Really I was like. I was like I'm hoping, but they got crap after 2002. But it turns yeah. out they haven't. Um, yeah, this was literally in my head for the past three hours. Um, <laughs> oh. I can't, I can't sing the chords because I can't pronounce half the words. Yeah, or half, the, half the cities I've never heard before. Some can do it. I can't. I can't Some all the names: Shadrach,
2: Hammurabi, Ashurbanipal, and Gilgamesh. There
1: we go. Beautiful. And they're all
2: real people. I mean, Gilgamesh is a uh, is a, God, right. a uh, well, he's he, he's possibly a um, uh, a Mesopotamian king from circa like 2000 BC but he's he's a a a figure from Mesopotamian folklore and you know the other characters you know Ashurbanipal created the library which is probably responsible for retaining the epic of Gilgamesh Hammurabi you know so one of the 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 pioneers of uh, systems of law and established the idea of codified justice system for the punishment of lawbreakers. Sargon was like the, the first single person to rule an empire. They're significant figures, not not as significant as the monkeys, obviously, but, <laughs> but there is this sense that like by smashing together genuine historical fact, again, there's this like, there's this element that you can burrow down to and either go oh this was what you know this is a bit like Hard Day's Night with the Beatles and uh, and you know jumping yeah. through the air and it's also who was and now I've learned how to pronounce Ashabanapal. but it's that juxtaposition
3: I think is interesting like I, I I mean I think it's nice like a song like The Sun is a Massive Incandescent Gas which explains what the sun is like that's a cool song but I like the fact that it's not just an explainer like, I, like yes. it's actually an interestingly artistic collision of like some weird historical characters and then a completely different narrative narrative and And also catchy as well like it's not just
2: yeah
3: there's a really great track on uh, their 2011 album called uh, you probably get that a lot which sounds on its surface like a love song and then you dig into it and you realize the subject of the love song is is a headless statue that's walking down the street and it's just like that's really interesting (laughs) that's like i mean you might just hear that and just think that's like that's a really nerdy choice but then
1: it it works it can be both it can be
3: both it can be both
1: yeah Apparently, reading on YouTube comments, this is big in middle school in America. And I will say this is my second favourite song on the playlist. Okay. Mm.
2: Did this crash through the uh, the your melodic guitar shields at all? Uh,
0: so, I... I truly hated the chorus. Okay, I I really Aww. I really disliked it. If if I Aww. if I was coming if I was a producer, I would come in and splice the song up completely differently because I really love the beginning. I was like, oh, one guitar and drums, what? A simple simple song. Okay, okay. I was enjoying it. The chorus comes in and I was like, oh Jesus. Then it goes back to guitars and drums. Okay, I'm like, yeah, okay, got it. Um so i like i like the verses i like the bridge with the bass and uh i i I like the harmonies outside of the chorus but um i i really enjoyed the fact that it was about mesopotamia we all know well, we probably don't all know mesopotamia by b52s great song but doesn't give you I as much uh, uh, absolutely great song I, I do recommend it great harmonies there that don't annoy me as much um but it really reminded me of so I, I i had covid last month and i don't know why but i got obsessed with um kings of the wild frontier by adam and the ants and the last okay. song on that is called the human beings and it's just him reciting i'm guessing like uh native american chiefs so it's him going, Blackfoot, Pawnee, and Crow, Apache, rapper and I, yeah, I, I got that vibe. Sort well of wow. like, oh, this is a this is a fun way to learn about history. <laughs> uh, and I thought, okay, yeah, it, it's not horrible history's mainstream accessibility, but it is. It don't is you speak
2: badly about horrible no, oh, no I, 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 I will fight you no, okay, no, good, okay. I'll fight to the <laughs> through,
0: death on through the one. screen no 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 i'm just I'm, I'm just reading greg jenner's book about uh dead, you know dead famous so yeah no I'm a big fan big fan I, yeah it, sometimes songs just don't come together in the way that i i would like them i i really it's it's sure. funny Fran, that you say it, it was stuck in your head like you know it, like that's a good thing because yeah for me i was just like no guys what are you doing like go back to the yeah, go back to the the guitar and the drums but um how
1: yeah. many plays do you, how many how many times uh, you it? uh three
0: because, times yeah okay
1: I think, yeah. I think that's enough yeah
0: i, I said so I, I mean that, <laughs> I,
3: th- I think that is the kind of like i do think they sound uh, lyrics notwithstanding they sound more like a kind of regular rock band like post mm-hmm. two thousand. and um and maybe that doesn't play to their strengths They arguably are better like rock bands i do i do really like this track and i like i do like the music they make in this vein but when they're doing something where you just like no one else could have done this or no one else would have chosen to do this, mm. that that feels a little more of a, like an obvious like yeah that that kind of cements them in the in the canon of uh, art rock history. But, the um, novelty,
2: Martin, the novelty, the novelty that they yeah. bring.
0: I think yeah, what I wanted to say, I wanted to kind of emphasise before. I think Fran brought it up and other people of like yeah, it really annoys me and it feels like more of an American thing, I guess, than a than a British thing of yeah, humour being seen as lesser than. You know, just in in throughout culture, you know, not just music, you know, how the fact that there isn't, you know, best comedy at the Oscars or whatever it is. And it's like humor is, it is... Much easier to write a song being like I am so sad. Look at how sad I am. To make people laugh. To to Mm. write to write songs with the titles of Why is that thing blue? Or whatever it was called from.
3: What's that blue (laughs) thing? What's that blue thing?
0: So apologies, and aren't you the guy who hit me in the eye? You know, like that. You know, much more difficult than being like I'm slitting my wrists tonight. So. I c- but I
3: think there's a critical split between, like, it's a comedy song mm. or it's a, a real song and that real song shouldn't have humour. Whereas even to, like, I mean, like, classic I, example I always think of is, like, like Leonard Cohen. You know, like, he's a, he was, a, like, whatever you think of his music, he used a lot of humour in his writing and it's quite, I think it's quite quite funny, you know. And, uh, you know, Dylan, you know, again, I mean, whether or not you think he's, he's overrated, uh, like, He's a big artist, and he used humour in, in his music to express certain things about the absurdity of society. So, like, a, that, that division is, like, very wrong-headed to me to be like, well, if you use humour, you're a joke band, yeah. and if you don't, then you're a proper band. And it's just like, not every song has to have a punchline in it. If it's, if it's funny, it can, it can be humorous and still be making a point.
2: There are, there are categories of these things. Satire and wit mm-hmm. are appreciated. But things that make you lol are, you know, easy to dismiss.
0: I, I have a feeling, Sam and Martin, I know what you're going to say here. But yeah, any any final thoughts on, on they might be giants being underrated?
2: Just mainly that I think that there's... Uh, it, it, it's the antithesis of what I said about talking heads. I think there is immense innovation. I think Martin's absolutely right. They fall into that New York... Art experimental thing, but they don't have the pretension. They don't have the condescension. They have a lot of love and enthusiasm for the music they write, for the topics they engage with, for the density of information they put in their music. I think they are massively underrated because people go, "Yeah, they wrote a couple of songs in the early '90s. What? Um, Malcolm in the Middle? What else?" Oh, It's interesting. I wonder where they went. I think
3: I think largely what Sam said. <laughs> like, uh, I think we need a bit more more fun in our canon, right? Like, and it's not that they have to be comedy. Uh, but the fact that they're having fun, I think a lot of the a lot of the thing that th- things that seem humorous about them is just that they sort of don't filter that much, mm. and that is like in a way more creative than being like, oh, well, we we can't do a song that sings about Mesopotamians. That's a silly idea. People won't take us seriously. They don't care about that, and I think they take their music seriously. But they they that doesn't stop them from just fucking about, and and that for me is the sort of spirit of, of creativity music.
1: I feel like. Um I hate keep comparing them to Sparks, but you know mm. Sparks recently had a, yeah, yeah. a documentary a doc- to yeah. to show everyone the world of Sparks. Mm. I feel like they might be giant and need someone to get behind them to show what else they've done over the past thirty, forty years. Mm. Um, so to, to me, definitely underrated. You know, they've got too too many good decent songs. You know? um, yeah, I, I, again, I enjoy watching that documentary. They're the, the very charismatic, likable guys. Um, yeah, they they can play. So many different styles of music and they can, you know, write about bloody germs and space to, you know, Eastern Ball. Uh, you can't see the Beatles doing that. So definitely <laughs> underrated.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to agree Better with you the all, guys. I think they are underrated. I think, yeah, f- yeah. F- finger t- and Fingertips is what swung it for me. I mean, I, I I don't think I've ever switched 180 so much. of like, oh god, I'm gonna have to write, <laughs> gonna write all these bloody songs and how long they, they last. Pages could, of notes. I could refer to them, and I was like, this is genius. And yeah, I mean, I hope they've made some money making jingles. Is all is all I can say. No, <laughs> I, I I think you know, even though I think precisely because they are not a hundred percent my kind of music. There's so many elements which normally don't chime with me, like a cheerful piano. Uh, this. <laughs> they do that on some songs and I like it and you absolutely cannot deny the variety the range and I think yeah as Martin said like the braveness the creative braveness of just absolutely bloody going for it uh so yeah I think I remain as Fran would be overwhelmed by by the choice of songs and maybe yeah I'd have to get a personal music curator to make me like you know a 10 track of they might be giants yeah Sam if you I'm sure I'm sure you're not a busy man (laughs) Uh, if you want to make me one of those this, no nothing <laughs> <laughs> if you come back with fingerprints fingerprints part two i'm going to kill you but sure. um <laughs> yeah no i i yeah i i was very pleasantly surprised and would like to hear more of, of the kind of songs i liked so yeah hooray, fantastic yeah so as we reach the end sam martin what would you like to plug
2: well, we uh, uh, about seven or eight years ago, me and Martin started a terrible <laughs> idea called Song by Song. Um, for the last near decade, uh, we have been talking about the music of Tom Waits, uh, the gravelly voiced singer you may know, or you may not, underrated, overrated, we still haven't pinned that <laughs> down <be> ourselves. So. <laughs> um, but we uh, release episodes weekly, uh, uh, you can find that in your podcatcher uh uh, by searching for "song by song podcast" or by visiting songbysongpodcast.com dot uh, com, I think probably when this comes out, we'll probably be about to be going into a little mini film season as well. Ooh. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, you can see Tom Waits acting, Tom Waits singing,
3: two guys talking about all the Tom Waits, which is a weird, uh, about two thousand and four. So, like that's that's most of his albums at this point not all of them not the mm-hmm. twenty first. so if, if there's like one you're like uh, i've been meaning to get into tom Waits. I, i'd like to listen to like small change like why not listen along with us yeah
0: very good how um have you projected when you're going to finish recording the podcast how long it's going to take you still
2: in heaven heaven is a place where we have stopped talking about tom waits it's, is it's ne- that is it, is it next summer uh, I think that's. I mean, if all goes to plan, yeah, we should have it wrapped by the end of twenty twenty three, plus or minus film episodes. We're not. It's. It's. Yeah, we're getting. We're nearly there. We're nearly the there. The decade and then, of Tom
0: Waits. I mean, that is dedication. Absolutely.
1: Um, if he does release like an amazing album. Shut up, friend. Would you go shut up, friend? <laughs> One last job. This new thing we're getting out, it pulls us back in.
0: <laughs> God damn it. Martin. Anything else you'd you'd like to plug?
3: Uh, I make a podcast called Neutrino Watch, which is a daily generative semi-fictional podcast. So uh, if you go onto the feed and listen to one of the episodes, and then you like stream the same episode the next day, it'll be a little bit different. So there's all kinds of stuff on there. There's like an astronomy show. Um, There is a like a song a day show where where I've written a song and it changes every day. The lyrics change. The instruments change. I'm about to start a music criticism show about an in in world. A character called Gus Holmes, where we we talk about a Gus Holmes track every day, and then there's like a fresh piece of music that's You're generated that for we're commenting on.
0: Martin, yeah, <laughs> yeah
3: well, well, it's all con- it's all done with computers, so I don't actually have to make it every day. I just have to spend six months building the codes to make it every day. But check that out. I look for neutrino watch on uh, your podcast of choice. So go to neutrino.watch. dot watch
0: okay accent and of course I'll plug the song by song episodes that we guested on. Yes. Um, of oh yeah. So, you know, you if, should check those if you're out. You've got to start. Yeah. If, of course you've got to start there. Uh, and yeah, start if you enjoyed if you enjoyed our chat about water today or <laughs> you're going to really enjoy it on <laughs> uh, on song by song. Thank you so much for joining us guys. Have thank you for a us. fantastic month and uh, yeah, see you next time Fran.
1: <sighs> thank you guys and good Bye. night. Goodbye. till next time. Bye.
0: So we hope you enjoyed this episode with four different people. Shout out to Fran, who had fun editing this one. And a shout out also to my friend, George, who was absolutely disgusted when I told him that talking heads were gonna be picked as overrated. So I hope, George, that the conversation has been nuanced enough for you. I also have to say that I had to really not be a fangirl because I'm a huge fan of Answer Me This, which Martin is on. And I hope I kept my shit together. If you think I didn't keep my shit together, you can get in touch on on Instagram. It's at Over Underrated Music Pod. On Twitter, it's at OU Music pod. Or you can email me to tell me how little I have my shit together on Over underrated music pod at gmail.com.